Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Okay, it is the Lombardi Line as we welcome you in here on a Saturday. Kind of the calm before the storm, Michael Lombardi, there at the Borgata in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you in. Of course, I would say, hi, Michael, good morning. I would say you've got the four best teams all season long, right? I mean, these are, yeah. two, these are four teams, 14-plus wins at this point. We're going to talk about the line movement, but when you're talking San Francisco, you're talking Philly, Cincinnati, Kansas City, it really doesn't get any better than a Final Four with those four teams. Yeah, I I think from the, you know, the first of like what well, after the bye week for Cincinnati and they've been on this win streak and uh, certainly San Francisco after their bye week or right before when they beat the Rams and Philadelphia has been good all year. You know, I, I think certainly that's the case and Kansas City's been good all year. So, yeah, these are clearly the four. I think Buffalo Bills fans, their mafia would say we belong in this conversation, but I think honestly, you know, that they know that they kind of petered out halfway through the year and they weren't the same team team in November and December as they were early in the year and so yeah I think we are where we are and it's perfectly situated and frankly you know if Buffalo played Cincinnati if we did not have the Hamlin injury maybe since he would have been the number two seed anyway all four starting quarterbacks under the age of 28 so some up-and-comers of course you got some already future Hall of Famers and Mahomes looks like Burrow's on that path Hertz is playing great and then you have the one outlier in Brock Purdy who we'll get to in just a second now speaking of Patrick Mahomes let's get to the AFC because that number has been a roller coaster ride and it all comes down to the high ankle sprain let's start there because my assumption and what I've heard in the past is high ankle sprain equals six weeks at least yeah. what is happening with the ankle here <laughs> I mean, it's a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle. I feel like the 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 the, the, uh, the uh, commandant over there, or the head of the prison in Shawshank, it's a miracle. He's just gotten healed. I mean, it's unbelievable. So the warden, Warden Norton, you know, it's like, how did this happen? But look, I'm going to assume he's healthy. I think what Andy Reid said that he was. He got a high ankle against Jacksonville. The next week he played against the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. He went for 443 yards, threw four touchdown passes. 
you know, I, I, I got to assume he's going to play. Now, movement-wise, we know this about high ankles, right? And all this is not going to tell us anything. What we need to see early in the game is Kenny pivot and redirect. Can he run away from Hubbard? Can he run away from Hendrickson? Because if you study the three games, what they have done a good job in Cincinnati, they've never really stopped the chief offense. They've turned him over. And they've gotten off the field on third down, and they've rushed him with three guys where they've gotten pressure on him because they have taken advantage of the tackles, Mike Remmers and Orlando Brown. They've taken advantage of those tackles, and they've pushed them back. And the defensive ends for Cincinnati have done a really good job. And they can chase Mahomes. They can chase a healthy Mahomes. Now, if he's unhealthy and he can't move, that's going to be really problematic. And I think we'll see more of Pacheco. See, here's the chess match that's going to go on, right? Andy Reid knows his quarterback may not be 100%. And if Lou Amarumo gives him the cover two shell split safety look, then we're going to see a lot of Pacheco. And they can run the ball. The last game in Cincinnati, the Chiefs could run the football. And they did. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that, which will slow the game down, which I think brings the under into a conversation. Well, the Chiefs' issue have been in the three losses, the three straight losses to the Bengals, Michael Lombardi, the fourth quarter in overtime. They've been outscored 26-6, to and Burrow has outplayed Mahomes. Just quickly back to Mahomes. Uh, my assumption is that all, his off-schedule abilities, his ability to get outside the pocket and throw the football, that's what you're most concerned about, right? Because that's where he excels. And that's where he's so great, and that's what makes him so good in the red zone, right? So the, the game, the championship game, they're three for five in the red zone. You know, and those two stops in the red zone, Tyreek Kill catching the ball with five seconds to go over on the one-yard line and getting tackled. They don't get points there. And then first and goal with the five at the end of the game where they have a chance to score. they got to settle for the field goal, you know, and Tooney recovers the fumble. So I think when you look at this situation, I think it's it really comes down to the Bengals have been able to take advantage of some red zone situations. They've done good. They haven't been shutting them down at all. No. But they've been able to take advantage. The key really has been, though, Patrick, is in those three games that we've studied, the Chiefs have only had the ball 28 possessions. That's under 10 possessions a game. In a normal NFL game, you're going to get 12 possessions. But the Bengals' offense have done a good job of slowing the game down. The Chiefs have lost three straight to the Bengals by a combined nine points, all three by three points. Of course, we're talking Mahomes. Let's hear from Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback. Obviously, I feel like I can still do a lot of things, um, but uh, it's gonna. We'll, we'll see as we get closer and closer, and we'll see during the game. I mean, um, you can't you can't fully do exactly what you're gonna be in those moments in the game. But uh, all I can do is prepare myself the best way possible, and then when we get in the game, you hope adrenaline kind of takes over and you can make those throws when you need to. But all I can do is just prepare my body the best way possible. I mean, I've seen the videos and everything like that of me walking. I don't know what you can really get from me walking, um, but uh, I think people will see on Sunday where I'm at, and I'll see on Sunday where I'm at. I'm just going to prepare my body the best way during the week to be in the best position possible. Oh, Patrick, you don't even know the half of it. We've gotten a lot <laughs> from watching you walk. We've gotten a lot from watching you step off of a podium. There's a oh, lot there. Man, you know, it's... it's interesting, Michael, just quickly on, I heard your guy Phil Sims talking yesterday where he said the common knowledge would be or what's being purported is you'll just blitz Mahomes because he's hobbled. But if you blitz him, he'll pick you apart with that man coverage. As a matter of fact, no doubt. they've done better. Cincinnati's done better when they just rush three against him. 
Yeah, I, the Cincinnati can't play man-to-man against them. They're, every time they've tried to play man-to-man against them, it doesn't work. I mean, they blitzed them. They blitz zeroed them uh, in the game in Cincinnati, and he hit scaling down the field for a huge third-down gain. They, they, they're not going to win on the outside. I mean, they're not going to be able to shut down the receivers or shut down Mahomes from making a throw. It actually makes it easier. The ball will come out of his hand quicker. And he'll make a throw. Whereas if you make him hold it and have to react to the rush and they pressure Wiley, the right tackle, and Orlando Brown, the left tackle, if they pressure those guys and push them back, that's where they've created some problems. And they've been able to do that. And I think that that's that, – that to me is the formula. Look, the one thing you can't do when you're playing Andy Reid in the Kansas City Chiefs offense, you can't get into a, we're just going to do this. We're going to play this, and that's all. You're going to have to mix it up. I don't want to say spin the wheel a little bit, but you're going to have to mix it up a little bit, not to catch him off guard, but to get him a little uncomfortable. Well, speaking of spinning the wheel, let's go on a roller coaster ride. If you have a queasy stomach, I'm going to throw up the machinations of the line movement here for the AFC Championship game. Uh, be careful here because it opened Chiefs point, point and a half, Michael. Then we got on the roller coaster and we come back the other way. The Bengals on Monday were a point and a half favorite. Then by Tuesday, when the news was very dire about the ankle, it was two and a half. In fact, a couple of shops touched Bengals three. Then we had a good report. We come back to Chiefs lane one, and now we settle in with Chiefs lane one and a half. That's important because a six point tease would take them through that seven. But now it settled in Chiefs lane a point and a half. Yeah, I mean, in all this, we predicted on Sunday on the show about this is all related to the li- to the visualization of what they saw on Mahomes. Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? And I think Mahomes clearly said, no one's going to know what I'm like until they watch us play. And I think the Bengals will take the approach that he's healthy, and until we see him play, we're not going to assume that he's not healthy. That's how you have to approach this. And so, look, I'm sure they have a game, the contingency plan for him in the game. Like I mentioned, they can run the football here. And this chief offense is different than last year because it's more the ball spread around more. It doesn't rely on the one play go. It relies on Mahomes making different throws in different areas. And if you try to play him and split safety, Pacheco is a hard runner. He's better than Hilaire. I mean, he runs angry. Now, he's not a great blitz pickup guy. He's not a good protector in pass protection, so that gives you some worry. But this kid can catch a screen and run with it, and he runs with power. There's times where him wearing that number 10, you almost think Tyreek Hill's come back. Now, he's not obviously that player, but he's got some of the same similarities when you watch him. He can take this over, and so I think that's part of it. Then the other part is this. We've spent so much time talking about Mahomes' ankle. We have not talked about the Bengal offensive line against the chief defensive front. And that, to me, is really the essence of the game. That's the essence of the game because can they block Chris Jones? Can they block Frank Clark? Can they block Carlos Dunlap? Can they block, you know, all these other players that are involved here? I think that's going to be the real challenge. And and you can block Buffalo, and you could say, well, the snow helped. Well, the snow was supposed to help Buffalo, too. But this will be a little bit of a different way. Chris Jones is a game changer. Just look at the Raider game the last game of the year. They couldn't block him. And it's going to be hard for the Bengals to block him, too. Add another component. You just mentioned Chris Jones. How about when he got done with his presser yesterday, he said, we'll see you tomorrow or in two days at Burrowhead. This is starting to get nasty. 
Bengals Chiefs yeah. is getting nasty. You saw Zach Taylor. You saw Burrow talking about hope you get the refunds on your tickets. Like there's some there's some juice to this matchup now with the Bengals. Well, and Chiefs. look when when you've beaten a team that you know I mean the, the Chiefs are one of the powerhouses in the league, right? And so you've beaten them three times in a row. They've heard this, right? And 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 when the players watch the tape of these three games, they realize that. A couple mistakes here cost him the game. Not kicking the field goal with five seconds to go in the championship game last year. Not being able to score first and goal with the five, right? I mean, turning the ball over in overtime. Turning the ball over or trying to run a screen. I mean, there's. I mean, last game in Cincinnati, you know, uh, Kelsey gets the ball stripped out of his hands. Then we punt it back to him with five minutes to go, and we don't get the ball back. I mean, there's a lot of play. How about two years ago, goal line, Cincinnati jumps off sides. They don't call it. Remember that? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things have gone well for Cincinnati in these three games. Michael Lombardi, the last three matchups between the Bengals and Chiefs, Burrow to Chase, 29 attempts and 29 targets, 24 completions, 417, four touchdowns. They can't cover They him. cannot contain him. They cannot cover They can't cover him. I mean, they don't have a guy on their team that can cover him. It's it fascinating. The numbers for Chase are fascinating. The matchup is fascinating. I did just see a shop go to two. Mostly everybody sitting Chiefs laying a point and a half. That's the AFC. We come back with the NFC. I just saw a book go Philly three. Most are sitting two and a half. We're back. Lombardi line. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. 
Got a conference championship Sunday coming up tomorrow, so kind of the calm before the storm. Michael Lombardi there at the Borgata in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. We're going to be joined in about 11 minutes. Philadelphia Inquirer reporter Marcus Hayes. Remember we had Marcus on mm-hmm. before the show start, before the season started, and I think he joked that everybody in Philly had them going, what, 18-0 and 0 in the regular season. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? They weren't far off. He was joking, obviously, adding a regular season game because of all the hype coming into the season. But we'll be interesting, Michael, to catch up with Marcus Hayes coming up here in just a bit. Yeah, no doubt it will be. And and look, I am sitting here in the Borgata Sportsbook, and the line on that game has stayed two and a half. So I like when I get here early in the morning, I, there's certain sharps that are in the book that I talk to. And then, of course, Thomas Gable's here, and we all have a conversation. And I said, TG, you know, of all the books in Jersey, I thought for sure you would get this up to, to three. And he said, look, we've taken a lot, a lot of sharp money on San Francisco here in the book. He said, now, eight out of the ten picks, bets are on the Eagles. But most of the serious money has been on San Francisco in this book here, particularly. So that's something to, to, to note of, because as we've seen all the money around on our board, Patrick, and on the betting odds on VEASAN.com, it seems like Philadelphia is getting all the action and the line doesn't move. But once again, not all money's the same money. And so when a sharp player plays a, a San Francisco, no matter how much money comes in on Philly, that keeps the line there. And as Chris Andrews told, as Chris Andrews said to, uh, uh, I forget who Felica. we talked to, Felica, he said, hey, you know, I mean, we, we have full confidence that San Francisco could win the game. So I think that lends itself to it. Yeah, there is a shop I'm looking at that went in New, in New Jersey to three with Philly Lane. Let's talk about this number as we open up the NFC. So the Eagles open two. Michael Lombardi currently is sitting two and a half. Now, everybody's sitting two and a half, juiced up, 115, 120. For novice betters, that means we're headed to three when the juice is going that way. However, BetMGM is reporting 76% of the bets on the Eagles, 85% of the handles. So the money on the Eagles as well. You just said it, that key number, the distinction from two and a half to three is huge. Most shops are reticent to go there. We'll talk to Thomas Gable about that in just a little bit. Uh, You wrote about the key matchups here, and we'll start with the trenches. We've got Sirianni talking about it as well, but let's start with the Eagles 49ers and the battle in the trenches here. Well, I mean, look, both defensive fronts are really good. And like George Kittle talked about, you know, the Eagles have numerous number one draft picks on their team. San Francisco, the same. They've got numerous number one draft picks. I mean, their three best players, Kinlaw, Armstead, and Bosa, are all first-round picks. And they have such a great rotation. So the game starts there. But both offensive lines, when they play within their framework and in their style, are fairly good, too. You know, and so San Francisco, they want to play a run-action game. They need to be able to play action pass to throw the football. They're not a drop-back pass offensive line. They they're they're rely more on quickness, more on athleticism than they do power. If you watch the Cowboy game, you saw the Cowboys' tackles push the guards back up San Francisco, trying to create a tighter pocket for, for, Bruce per, for Brock Purdy to throw the football from. So the matchups are all about style, too. So it's one thing about how talented you are. It's another about the style you can play. And I think when San Francisco's front's playing from in front, when they're with the lead and they can rush the passer and they can get up the field, they're really dynamic. Same thing with Philadelphia. Both these teams are in a, in a complete rush to get the lead. They want to play from in front. 
And that kind of makes the story so compelling because who is going to play from in front? Who is going into the third quarter, fourth quarter with a lead? That's going to be really critical. Year two for Nick Sirianni in Philly, and he agrees with you. Let's hear from the coach. I've been taught from very young that it's O-line, D-line, O-line, D-line, O-line, D-line, O-line, D-line. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's my son's peewee game. It doesn't matter if it's a high school game. It doesn't matter if it's a college game. It doesn't matter if it's a pro game. The O-line, D-line wins games, and it sets the tone. And we got a great defensive line. We got a great offensive line. And not only do we have these pieces in place there, we also understand that we have backups and we have rotations and guys ready to step in and make plays and guys that have stepped in to make plays. And But we also know this about San Francisco. They got a great O-line and D-line. And, and, and that's, you know, you get to the NFC Championship game, that's, probably, that's what it's, it's going to look like. I haven't looked at Cincinnati and, or Kansas City, but I'm assuming it's similar, it's similar traits. Big time Red Bull vibes from the second year head coach, meaning he seems to have found his identity. He's a little bit different. He's a little more demonstrative this year. You saw him on the sideline against the Giants. Uh, He's kind of feeling himself. 70 regular season sacks. That's tied for third most for the Eagles in NFL history. They're the first team, Michael Lombardi, in NFL history to have four players with 10 plus sacks. It's a hell of a defensive front. Yeah, they play from in front. and, And 60 of those 70 sacks come from the defensive line. I mean, that tells you all you need to know, right? So, you know, sometimes teams get pressure from different ways. And Seriani, what he said there is exactly uh, what I believe. I believe the game is, I believe the game's controlled by offensive and defensive linemen. And when you study these final four teams, how many blues and red chip players are in your offensive and defensive line? That, that's really what you're looking at. You know, you want to have at least six or seven red or blue chip players out of the 10 positions, five offensive linemen and five defensive linemen, because back in the day there was a nickel rusher. So when you start to add those together, San Francisco and Philly, have they meet that criteria, right, in terms of defensive line, offensive line. Same thing with Kansas City. They've got some really good. Now, I think Kansas City's tackles, Wiley, and Orlando Brown are not blue chip or red chip. I think when you watch Orlando Brown play against good rushers, he struggles. Same thing with Wiley. And we know Cincinnati's offensive line is just a Band-Aid right now. They're kind of stringing this together. But their defensive line doesn't get enough credit. Their defensive line is better than people think, especially with Reeder back in there now. Reeder and B.J. Hill, the cast off from the, from the, from the, from the Giants, it was a great trade Cincinnati made. Cincinnati traded Billy Price to the Giants to get B.J. Hill. Both teams are getting rid of guys. And B.J. Hill's been really good for Cincinnati. Reader's been outstanding. And then when you have Hubbard and Hendrickson, they have been dynamic. I mean, they lose Carl Lawson to the Jets. They signed Hendrickson. They got better. Okay, Niners-Eagles, so you said, one, the battle in the trenches, another aspect you're focusing on, and you wrote about this in the Lombardi line, and excuse me, the look ahead, and that is, two, the chess match, the in-game adjustments each team is going to make as far as the coaches. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the game today. This is going to be everything, right? So let's let's start at San Francisco-Philly, right? Philly watched Dallas run multiple fronts, different looks, kind of changed things up, gave San Francisco some problems. Played physical, you know, really was we're, we're trying to create and move the line of scrimmage back and didn't let San Francisco get their run game going. Kyle countered by the second half. He kind of got a couple things going. Never really got control. So there's that matchup, right? It's the same thing when you watch Philadelphia. You know, Philly sees 
Philly's going to see what Dallas did. They're going to try to copy that. Now, Kansas City, they've played three times. They know each other really well. Kansas City knows that Lou's going to play split safety. He's going to be a nickel on first and second down. You can run the ball. Okay, so how does he handle it? Spagnola knows that number you read when we went to break, that he can't cover Chase. He doesn't have anybody mm-hmm. to cover Chase. So he's going to play split safety, roll the coverage to Chase, which is going to open up the ability to run the ball. He also knows that maybe Zach Taylor will get tired of running the football. Maybe Joe Mixon won't be involved. You know, maybe he won't be able to call runs all the time because Taylor likes to throw it. Same thing with Andy Reid. Will Andy Reid throw it? So there's this constant back and forth based on where the safeties are and where the safeties aren't. That's the game, right? If the middle of the field is closed, right, if the middle of the field is closed and that means there's a free safety in the middle of the field, they're in an eight-man front some form of an eight-man front or a seven-man front in a nickel look. If the safeties, if the middle of the field's open, which means there's split safety, they're definitely going to have the opportunity to have one less guy into the box and you can run the football. So it kind of back and forth as it goes like that. To further your point about the battle in the trenches, Hertz has been the best deep ball thrower in the NFL this year. However, when he's pressured, that's where he struggles. If there's a bugaboo for Hertz, it's getting pressured, and that's what the 49ers have to do, correct? Yeah, and I think we spent so much time on Mahomes' ankle, we got to spend a little bit of time on Lane Johnson's abdomen or whatever the hell he has, his groin, because he's going to get the be- he's going to face the best rushers in the league. And if he's not 100%, that's going to be a problem. And if they have to go to Jack Driscoll, that's going to be an even bigger problem, right? So that's going to hurt them. And, you know, they pushed around the Giants. I mean, they beat up the Giants. They're not going to beat up the 49ers. Now, I think what they do in this game, I think they make it so that Hurts comes out throwing the football. I think they really feel like they got to get Hurts to throw it because they have always approached the game from how do we win this game. Tennessee, they only ran for 63 yards. You can't run the ball on Tennessee, just like you're not going to be able to run the ball on the 49ers on a steady diet. And they can't risk getting hurt, getting hurts hurt. Because I'll tell you one thing: these linebackers for San Francisco can tackle, and they tackle angry. Mild temperatures up by you, big guy. There, it's going to be ten, 10 to fifteen mile an hour winds, but we should see pretty good temperatures in Philadelphia. Uh, otherwise, in Kansas City, frigid temps. It's going to be you know mid twenties. Ten mile an hour winds could make it feel a little bit cooler, but the weather shouldn't really impact either of these conference championship games. Okay, we continue along here on the Lombardi line on VSIN, the Esports Betting Network. Coming up next, Philadelphia Inquirer reporter Marcus Hayes joins us to discuss the matchup. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, become a VEASAN Pro right now for the introductory offer of $9.99. We've never done it. We won't do it again, so take advantage of this offer. You get Michael Lombardi's exclusive articles. You get all the picks from the hosts and guests, pro tools, and pro tips as well. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's all for $9.99 right now. As a matter of fact, Thomas Gable just sent over his college hoops plays for the day. So those are for VEASAN pros. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Okay, we welcome you back. Conference Championship Sunday coming up tomorrow. He's Michael Lombardi at the Borgata. I'm Patrick Maher. We talked to Marcus Hayes, longtime reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer before the season started. And as we say hi to Marcus and thank you and good morning. You know, you joked about the expectations amongst Eagles fans 
defense. I think you said maybe you had him going 18 and 0 in the regular season. Well, guess what? <laughs> We're now talking in January, headed into February. They're your Super Bowl favorites. They're favorites tomorrow. It, it's been a wild ride so far. You know, I, I thought this team, because of its offensive line last year, should win 12 or 13 games. And I thought Nick Sirianni was embarrassed and, and un, unmasked as a kind of a fraud early in the year, as most rookie coaches could probably be expected to be unmasked and, uh, as a fraud. That said, I expected them to win a lot of games this year. I did not expect them to go out like they did and to be 13-1 and one after uh you know after Jalen Hurts' MVP run just blew my mind blew my doors off the offensive line is a big reason but show you know so are uh you know his coaches and Jalen Hurts who's become a much better quarterback than I ever thought he would be you know I I couldn't agree more Marcus I I think what you have to give him credit for is adapting the offense to Jalen Hurts right so I think that early part of Nick Sirianni's coaching career was trying to run a conventional offense. And once they went to this six-back approach, which you and I both know, Jeff Lurie really doesn't want to run the ball. He wants to throw it. But for them to become a dominant run team is kind of outside of the philosophical nature of the Eagle organization. But yet they've been so damn good at it. And it's really made the quarterback. And my question is, do you think – Philly signs Hurts to a mega extension after the season, regardless of this game, as they go forward, because that they almost have to at this point, don't they? Well, I think the issue here, Mike, is how durable is he going to be? Jalen Hurts was injured at the end of his rookie season after just four starts. He had a hamstring injury. He needed ankle surgery after the end of last season, and he might need shoulder surgery after the end of this season. So... This is he gets hit 10 to 15 times pretty hard every game. And and that's because of the way the offense is is structured. He has three or four designed runs. He has six or seven RPOs where he chooses to run the ball. So he's running the ball somewhere between 10 and 20 times a game. That's not sustainable into your 30s. That said, he's probably worth a mega deal, not a 10 year, not a Patrick Mahomes deal, but something that will give him an average of 40 to 45 million dollars over the next five years and most of it guaranteed so that's the kind of deal i expect each top each side to consider fair it'll make jalen hurts generationally wealthy but it will also protect the eagles on the backside. marcus hayes philadelphia inquirer here on the lombardi line you talked about sirianni you said unmasked last year they went to tampa and were embarrassed what's been the difference with the second year head coach this year well, I believe last year when they went to Tampa, they were just outmatched. They were they 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 were outcoached. Tom Brady had a great game. It really wasn't a contest. Uh, and Jalen was hurt. Jalen's ankle was injured and required surgery, so he wasn't the same quarterback in the second half as he was in the first half. But probably one of the more remarkable things that's ever happened. I've been covering my first team to cover were Marv Levy's Bills. I have never seen a head coach as a rookie give up play calling early in his first season and do so for the betterment of the team. And that's what Nick Siri of all the things that have happened in the last two years, the most impressive thing that's happened for me, even the, the, the acquisition of AJ Brown, you know, drafting Devonte Smith, Nick Sirianni saying, Hey, I can't be the best head coach I can be and a, a good play caller. So I'm going to give this responsibility to my offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, 
after seven games as a head coach. That, to me, was the sea change that brought them to the playoffs last year and to this point, the number one overall seed this year, Nick Sirianni's humility and and sort of self-reflection. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Marcus. I think that, that's something that he can see the game and take a step back. And I think he be, he can connect all three units together as opposed to burying his head in that play sheet. So let's talk tomorrow. What do you think their approach is going to be offensively and defensively? I believe they're going to come out trying to throw the ball, knowing that it's hard to run on San Francisco. And I believe Jonathan Gannon has got to try to mix it up a little bit and not let Shanahan think he's going to do the same thing he's done over the past year well one of the things that is one of the things that's trending with the second topic with Jonathan Gannon Mike is their best blitzers are Avante Maddox and CJ Gardner Johnson both of whom were hurt for large patches of this year both of whom should be healthy and play this year Gardner Johnson can move back to safety and Maddox can move to nickel corner where he's been playing Gardner Johnson has been playing nickel with Maddox out that said, that gives them blitz options because they stink at blitzing otherwise. They don't have any blitzers except those two guys. And those guys, you know, it's just a knack. You're either good at it or you're not. Offensively, Jalen Hurts, I, I, I just looked this up before the uh, before the show, and I was wrong. I thought Jalen Hurts liked to avoid the middle of the field. And with Dre Greenlaw and Fred, uh, Fred Warner in the middle of the field, those are their two best pass defenders, believe it or not. Those two linebackers, if you believe the advanced stats, those are their two best pass defenders. That said, Jalen Hurts actually likes to go to the middle field, and he's pretty pretty effective at it. I think that his umbrella, he, he, he gives you the impression that he likes to throw the ball in an umbrella. He likes to throw it deep and out. So they, uh, the, the 49ers, I think, are more vulnerable um, in those situations. Now, if they, if Lane Johnson can stand up to the part-time duty he has against Nick Bosa, because Nick Bosa is playing on both sides now, and Lane Johnson's the injured Eagles right tackle, then they'll be able to get the the kind of time that Jalen needs to execute those throws. So I, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to go at them through the air. I think they're going to work the edges, and I think it's going to be a big day for Devontae Smith because, again, I'm not sure how healthy A.J. Brown is. He looked like he came up with a hamstring at the end of the divisional game against the Giants, and I think he's going to get a lot of attention. I was going to ask you, Marcus Hayes, joining us here at Lombardi Line, about A.J. Brown. Three receptions, 22 yards against the Giants. Was there more to it? Because you saw Sirianni go over and console him. He seemed frustrated. Was there more to the A.J. Brown situation? We've seen A.J. Brown not get many passes in a game and have no reaction. A.J. Brown wants to play and he wants to win. Yes, I think it's kind of a smokescreen. And I think there's another one going on, too. But the smoke screen I'm talking about is I think they want people to think A.J. Brown was upset at not getting passes because I think he was really upset that he got injured. They don't want him to they don't want anybody to know he's injured. They would much rather cast him as a malcontent right now than an injured player. The other smoke screen is all the talk you hear about Jalen Hurts' shoulder. Oh, it's really sore. He's not 100 percent. He's 75, 80 percent. There are people in the organization who are giggling and snickering when that's said, because I think Jalen Hurts is much healthier than he's being presented, so that's a smokescreen. And A.J. Brown is much happier and much more hurt than he's being presented as. 
Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I think, you know, I don't think the Niners are going to buy that Hurts is hurt at all. I think they're going to they, – they've watched him play last week. There was no evidence that he was injured whatsoever. He, he threw the first deep pass perfectly. His arm looked strong, so there's no issue there. And then I think when you – you know, they're going to have to – this game's going to come down to what teams – best yards after the catch receivers make the plays, whether it's A.J. Brown or whether it's Debo Samuel, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Goddard. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just so much talent in this that I think it's going to come down to. I think you nailed it perfectly. I think the Niners take the approach everybody's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Even Lane Johnson, I can't see them. You know, there's a narrative out there that says, well, they're going to line Bosa up over Johnson and really test that groin. I don't think Lane Johnson takes the field, especially after last week. If that groin isn't a hundred or close, it's not a hundred percent. But if that groin isn't better than uh, whoever the replacement would be, however they want to configure their offensive line without him. So uh, again, I, I think each team goes in thinking it's it's as healthy as it can be expected, and we see a really good game. But I don't know, Mike. I, I think the game kind of comes down to how willing Jalen Hurts is to be Jalen Hurts, to be the guy that breaks the pocket and takes the hit. That's the big that's the big question. He took one hit against the Giants, one significant hit on that shoulder, and the Giants aren't the 49ers. This defense is faster, it tackles better, and you you can manipulate your body to test a joint, whether it's a, a hip or an ankle or a knee or a shoulder. You you can test Jalen Hurts, and I think he will be tested early, but I think he passes that test. 15 seconds, Marcus Hayes got a prediction. The Eagles are laying two and a half. You know, I've been predicting 28-20 Eagles. I think there's going to be a turnover or two. We're going to see Brock Purdy rattled at at the link. And Jalen Hurts is going to prove that he and Patrick Mahomes are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Get ready for the parade. Love it. Get ready for the parade. <laughs> Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer. <laughs> Thank Grease you, Marcus. Polls, baby. Thank Grease you, Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, even a wager that misses can still be a slam dunk. How about that with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with at least four legs or more, and if you we miss one legs, you're going to receive up to $25 back in free bets. So again, a four-teamer, you miss one, you get $25 back. It's a great deal from the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Again, official partner of the NBA. You got to be 21 years or older. If you have an issue, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. As we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line, Michael Lombardi, we just had Marcus Hayes. So what did he say? He said 28-20, he had Philly winning it, Michael. So they do cover, and it does go over the posted total of 46. Let's bring in Carl Johnson to discuss. We'll get a prediction from Carl as well. Of course, runs the race sports book down. At the by down in the bayou at the Beau Rivage. Hi, Carl. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Patrick. Michael, how you guys doing today? You ready? We're ready as frog hair, Carl. There's no <laughs> doubt. We're as fine as frog hair. We're ready to get this thing going. The, we have to wait it out, but you know, we'll we'll do it. We'll do whatever we got to do to get to it. Yeah, exciting, Car- exciting day tomorrow. We're ready for it. Okay, Carl. Well, let's do it. Let's start talking about the early one, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Let's talk about where you opened, kind of how the line has moved, and where you're sitting right now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, no movement hardly at all. Uh, we opened here uh, two and a half, 45 and a half. Uh, you know, we've been getting uh, Eagles money. I mean, they're getting uh, 70% of the money, 70% of the tickets. Uh, right now, we're at uh, two and a half. We've got it juiced uh, to minus 120. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't know if this thing will go to three. I mean, it looks like it's, it's wanting to go to three, but I think, just my opinion, I think it stays there. Uh, and right now, the totals uh, at forty six and a half, so it's up a little bit. Yeah, are you? Is your action fair? Like here at the Borgata, uh, another BetMGM property, Carl. They're, they're getting a lot of. M- bets on Philly, but they're getting a lot of money on San Francisco, which has kept that line. I thought this line would have been three here when I came in this morning. It didn't get, it's not close. And Thomas Scable says it's not going to get to three. Are you getting a lot of uh, sharp money on San Francisco? Uh, a little bit, Michael, but to be honest with you, we got it both ways, uh, uh, the sharp money, uh, you know, and, and personally, I think some uh, late 49er money from the public uh, will come in between now and kick. Um, at least that's what I'm expecting. Uh, but uh, our sharps here hit it both ways, Mike. Yeah. How about a lead? How about a decision on the total? Forty-six and a half. Where'd you open? And do you have a decision to be made there? Uh, yeah. So we opened at forty-five and a half. Look, I like it over. Uh, you know, I think both of these teams will score. I mean, you got you. Got, I seen a stat yesterday. I mean. Uh, these four quarterbacks playing in these games tomorrow are like a combined 35-2 and two, uh, since November 1st. So, I mean, these four teams playing their best football. I like Brock Purdy a lot, uh, but I like what Philadelphia – I like the way Philadelphia is playing a lot here too. 
Uh, I'm going to bet, personally, I'm going to bet the Eagles. I'm going to eat me a big Philly cheesesteak tomorrow to celebrate, and that's where, I, that's where I'm at on it. Wow, I mean, you and you like and you like the over in this game. You know, it's interesting. Whenever you get two teams that are really good defensively, everybody thinks it could be a low-scoring game. But I get the sense that Philly's going to throw the ball. I mean, it's really the only chance. Both teams' secondaries are vulnerable. I mean, look, let's face it. Both teams win with their fronts. And so it's going to come down to which team can throw the football more effectively and then which team's secondary tackles the best. And, look, we know this. One missed tackle in Phillies that could be a touchdown for San Francisco. It's the same thing for uh, for the Eagles. If they miss a tackle on Goddard, he could be taking it to the house or, or Smith or A.J. Brown. So I do think that there's a tendency to bet the under, but I think the over, really, I think both teams offensively can make a big play. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think this might be a, you know, we're always talking about this might be a good end game. Um, look, I don't think San Francisco can play from behind here. Uh, you know, uh, Brock, uh, in the last few games, he struggled early on and then he settled down. Uh, so I, I think this game uh, early on, I think if 49ers can get through the first quarter of this football game, I think I think both teams will be settled down and I think we'll see a close game. Now, I still like Philadelphia. But if, if the Eagles jump out ahead big time, uh, you know this this could be a this could be a pretty uh, a pretty bad uh, night for San Fran, I think. Okay, Philly in the over for Jick Jack in the early one. You mentioned no line movement for San Francisco Philly. The exact opposite for Cincinnati Kansas City. Let's talk about where you opened and the line movement here, Carl. Yeah, I mean this game's been all over the place, Patrick. Uh, we opened here Chiefs one and forty eight. Uh, immediately, Sharps hit this. Uh, it flipped uh, to Bengals. Uh, it, it actually flipped to Bengals one. Then it cl- continued to climb from there. Two and a half. I think we briefly touched three. Uh, and at that time, we was getting 85% of the money, 80% of the tickets were on the Bengals. So when they made the announcement that Patrick uh, uh, Mahomes looked good in practice, you know, immediately that line started coming down and moved the other way. Uh, so right now, we're at Chiefs minus one and a half. The total is 48. But we're still getting 80% money, 80% uh, uh, tickets on Cincy. So it's a reverse line move there. Uh, but that's, you know, we expected this, the, the Burrow money. That's what they're going to do here. Yeah. And what's your freed on this, Carl? I mean, what, what's your instincts telling you, A, about Mahomes and B, about the game? I I, I think this is interesting. I love Burrow, but it's hard to beat a team four times in a row. Yeah, I, look, I'm a I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan, and and I, I was asked this question earlier in the week, and you know I think and I made I heard you make a comment earlier, and I think it's exactly right. Uh, you Patrick Mahomes, he's a special athlete. You can't handicap him to be hurt. When you look at this game, you got to handicap this game for him to be. He's going to be 100%. Look, this guy's an acrobat. I mean, he throws the ball underhanded. He throws it off his front foot. I mean, he does all kind of stuff. He, he throws it in a in a, a sidearm motion. But, but the more important thing for him is if you was to take any of the top five quarterbacks behind him in this offense and say, you know what, um, if we could plug – if Patrick Mahomes is hurt, if we could plug any of these quarterbacks in, would you rather have Mahomes still – Maybe not quite 100%, or would you rather have one of those guys? And for me, 
he does so much into that offense. He he can check out of stuff, put them in the right play. I think that knowledge alone is worth a whole lot. So I'm taking Patrick Mahomes, even if he had a little cast on, you know, that's just the way I feel about it. <laughs> but that's got to be Burrow country down there at, at the Beau Rivage, though, right, Carl? My assumption is with LSU, that's got to be Joe Burrow country down there. Yeah, I mean, look, we love Burrow. I mean, but, you know, I, 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 I and, and we're getting all Burrow money. Uh, but uh, I don't bet with my love of players. I bet with my pocketbook. So, I'm going, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm going both favorites here. I know, and the chances are that won't happen, but I'm going with the Chiefs here. Yeah, I, I just think it's hard to beat a team four times. And I, I think people look at the scoreboard and don't really look at the game. And those games could have gone either way. One of the games, the Chiefs were dominating and they let it slip away. And I think Mahomes was hurt in the fourth quarter of that game. No one's going to convince me otherwise because that's about as bad a football as he's ever played in his career going back to Pee Wee. So I, I just think it's hard. And the other thing I think about the injury, and we've spent so much time talking about it, when you know what your quarterback can and can't do before the game, you can game plan. When it happens during the game, you've got to adjust and kind of work on some things. Reed's too smart to not have a way to handle this outside and knowing what the injury is. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and that's, that's what I like about this game, this, this team in this situation. Another thing, too, is, you know, last week that offensive line for Cincinnati, I, don't, I believe the snow helped them a little bit. You know, I, I think they get exposed this week. Um, so it's going to be interesting start, interesting game. And this is such a heavily booked game. I can't, I can't remember a, a, a game really. This, I'm talking about nationwide. There's a lot of money on this football game. Yeah. Okay, Carl. Hey, by the way, just out of curiosity, anybody betting the Nuggets 76ers game down at the Bayou? I am. The I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> Mike is. Mike, Mike, Mike's going to bet it. It's yeah, it's I'm an early tip, noon on the East Coast for Michael Lombardi. Oh, the Nuggets at the seventy six. Oh, it's yeah. going to be noon. Oh, yeah. and the line is the Sixers are three and a half. I I, lay, I, I would uh, I'll take Denver the points, Patrick. Thank you very okay. much. Okay, I, uh, I, I like, thought you might. I like the over. <laughs> I, I, Carl's think, do going we even over. know? Do we even know if Big Boy's going to play? We don't even know Big Boy's going to play. Is he? He's got a he's got a he's got a foot. Oh, he may not play against Yoki. Yoki Jokey. He might not. <laughs> take, the, take the three and a half with the best team in basketball, the Denver Nuggets. Okay, before we say goodbye, tomorrow cheesesteak. What's on the menu today, Carl? Uh, we're going to eat some uh, Thai food today. We're going to eat some Pad Thai. And look, I want <laughs> I want a real Philly guy to get on my Twitter feed and tell me how to do a, a Philly cheesesteak. I want somebody okay. from Philly to come in there and tell me. Okay, you can find him at Jick Jack Johnson on Twitter. He wants a Philly cheesesteak. We're coming back. It's a Lombardi line on a Saturday. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.